This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, spring has sprung, and so has the latest release of NetApp on Tap. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the studio here and with me uh, is none other than Octavian Tanase. And if you don't know who Octavian Tanase is, he's here to tell you who he is. So Octavian, who are you? What do you do here at NetApp? Hey, Justin, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm the SVP of ONTAP. Happy to be on the show again. How fortuitous because this show is about ONTAP. So um, I, I can't imagine that was an accident that I asked you to come on to this. I'm scattered, well, but not that scattered. <laughs> so, Octavian, if people want to reach you, how would they do that? Um, on Twitter, at uh, OCTAV. All I right. There we go, OCTAV. So, um, we're here to get Octavian's take on the newest release of ONTAP, ONTAP 9.6. And we're going to start off by just talking about you know, the inner workings and how the vision ha- has come together. You know, why did we make the decisions we made with ONTAP 9.6? And then later on, we'll have Jeff and Skip here to talk about the overall you know, feature set and, and give us a deeper overview. But Octavian, why? Well, I think um, there should be no surprise. What we're looking to do is anticipate customer needs. We're looking at industry trends, both in terms of how people want to consume IT in an enterprise. Uh, we're looking at technology trends. We're looking to adopt these trends on behalf of our customers and help them uh, adopt them in a non-disruptive way. Wait, we can do that non-disruptively? Well, it's not it's not a secret. Um, upgrading to, to ONTAP, uh, to a new version of ONTAP, it's a non-event. Um, it's non-disruptive, it's simple, it's fast. Yeah, and you mentioned simple, and that's what I feel like the overarching theme is with ONTAP 9.6 is simplicity. We've really made a lot of strides in making it easier to consume and use ONTAP. So, um, you know, why was it such a big deal in ONTAP 9.6 to go there? Well, I think in the spirit of Twitter, right, uh, we can probably use um, hashtag no PhD required. One of the things that we are looking at is the fact that the um, increasingly the user of ONTAP, increasingly a user of storage systems, a data management system, it's an IT generalist. right? And while we still um, have many Jedi Knights of storage and compute and networking, that work with our systems in- increasingly are people that have uh, perhaps uh, a more generic understanding of, of IT systems. A lot of them are familiar with cloud technologies, and we're looking to enable them to be successful with, with ONTAP. So the focus has been on operational simplicity. Um, one of the things that we have released um, is a new set of powerful RESTful APIs are really simplifying and modernizing you know, access into ONTAP. The second is a set of Ansible modules, which really enable customers to, to use Ansible as a broadly deployed framework to, to manage um, infrastructure and assets in their, in their data center. Main theme of the release. Right. So not only are we enabling them with REST API support, we're also giving them Ansible modules to get them started. More than four dozen. That's quite a bit. And I imagine we'd be adding on as we go, you know, just to kind of in, enhance the overall um, recipe book that we have for ONTAP. Absolutely. And I, I would recommend for folks to just um, uh, go to netapp.io and kick the tires there, you know, for um, and, and understand, uh, you know, some of the work that we're doing to enable integration with containers, integration with, you know, frameworks that are Ansible or uh, OpenStack. As I'm looking over the list of things that are in ONTAP, I notice there's also a lot of security enhancements. So why would we decide ONTAP 9.6 was a good place for those things to land? Well, security is top of mind for many of our customers. Um, sometimes I joke and um, I tell uh, some of our customers that security is a, um, it's a source of resume-changing events for many of them, and they're typically not promotions. Um, so um, on, a, on a serious note, security it's uh, something that um, we are always uh, uh, prioritizing high um, because it's important to our customers. Uh, we are assuming that people adopt uh, uh, no trust uh, type of or zero trust type of architectures uh, where they assume that the you know, perimeter security has been you know, breached and um, they, they always have to verify uh, you know, credentials, capabilities, 
and, and so forth. So with ONTAP 9.6, we are releasing encrypted SnapMeter. SnapMeter is a broadly repli uh, deployed replication technology. Most of our customers are using it, and now they can use it um, they, you know, in, a, in a secure fashion across data center. We're also releasing um, you know, capabilities around multi-tenant key management. Um, and that's something that it's very popular for folks that uh, operate in the USPS realm. Yeah, and that gives you end-to-end -end encryption, end-to-end -end security. So not just uh, over the wire, but at rest with the encryption keys, as well as you know over the wire with protocols, including like SMB encryption, uh, Kerberos 5P, and now SnapMirror encryption as well. Indeed. So with ONTAP 9.6, um, we're also releasing a modular, high-performance, low-latency uh, NVMe-based mid-range system. It's going to come into market um, under the A320 uh, name, um, and we'll use an Ethernet-attached, uh, you know, shelf, uh, you know, using NVMe, you know, drives. Uh, it's modern. It's an industry first and best. Um, also, in 9.6, uh, we're looking to improve uh, the resiliency of the NVMe-based SAN solutions. Um, and we are adding uh, capabilities on multi-path failovers on VMware and Vis uh, Windows environments, you know, for our SAN solutions. Last but not least, um, uh, enhancing the, our data protection, you know, capabilities. We're looking to enable protection for individual applications and workloads with a volume granular sync replication capability. And um, we're offering a MetroCluster solution on our entry products, MetroCluster over IP, for our FAST 2700 family, as well as for A220, which is a very popular entry platform for many of our customers. TCO and lowering TCO for our customers is always top of mind. Um, we're always looking to enabling new capabilities to, of tiering to the cloud or, or replication to the cloud, either with NED and DAS or enabling tiering to GCP or Ali Cloud. So you mentioned NDAS, that's NetApp Data Availability Services, and there's some... Uh movement going on with that as well in 9.6. So what are we doing with Endaz? Endaz, it's an innovative product that um, basically looks at making the data available on-prem in the cloud for the purpose of analytics. Now, you also have a backup copy of that data, but the, the purpose is to really enable the, the compute and the services available in the hyperscaler clouds to be applied to you know, the data that you have on-prem and have a simple... Um, orchestrator, cloud-based orchestrator that enables that data mobility and the ability to to then leverage that data in the cloud. Yeah, and for me, the NDAS value, I think, rests also with the easy-to-search and quick search of the object storage, right? So turning it into an object store, but something that is cataloged and, and something that is quick to find things. Yeah, the cool thing about that is that uh, the, the catalog has been implemented using cloud-native services, Right, so Elasticsearch is being employed to, to build on the fly um, the catalog as the data reaches to the cloud. Yeah, I mean, why reinvent the wheel? Why not just use what's already working? Using the cloud as well intended to be. That's right. So we've also done some uh, work with how we support ONTAP releases. So could you walk me through how we used to do things with the support model and how we are now moving on beyond 9.6? One of the things that we were trying to do as we went through a six-month release cadence, we looked to ship uh, two type of releases, one that would have a short-term release um, and one that would be you know, supported for the long term for three years or so. And we realized that uh, many customers were um, waiting to, and adopting only what we called LTS or long-term support releases. We felt that um, it was better for our customers if they could consume every single release and have that peace of mind that they don't have to upgrade, you know, within a year or so in order to get that that long-term support. And uh, starting with ONTAP 9.6, every single release of ONTAP that will ship will be a long-term support release, uh, or at least that we will support with upgrades for three years. All right, so that's good. We're now moving on from short-term release to just release. <laughs> Right, it's it's available for everybody. Again, with customers in mind, you know, enabling them to or uh, removing any any friction from adopting, uh, you know, ONTAP innovation. In regards to ONTAP adoption, um, you know, that kind of leads me to my next point. Why would I want to upgrade ONTAP to begin with? Like, what are the benefits to upgrading? 
Well, I think uh, I'll start with the upgrade process. First of all, upgrading ONTAP, it's a non-event, as I mentioned before. It's simple, it's, uh, it's non-disruptive, and it's fast. It's understanding that is, I think it's you know, very important. The second thing is, we talked about some of the security capabilities that we're always bringing into a release. Uh, the latest uh, being secure snap meter. The second thing that you want to take advantage is our passion for uh, reducing the TCO of our solutions. So you'll see us always make improvements on storage efficiency, always making improvements in uh, making our product tier data, call data very effectively to the cloud and support more cloud providers. Last but not least, uh, simplicity. Uh, We really understand that we need to appeal to a broader set of, of customers, many of them IT generalists. And we've made simplicity, you know, priority number one. The RESTful APIs, modern tools that are simple to use, you know, for provisioning, for monitoring, enabling SLO type of provisioning for um, for an application and workload. I'll add two more. So one of them is um, new features, right? We're, we're getting new features every six months, much more rapid adoption of new things. So if you want the new stuff, you have to upgrade. You can't do it in, in older releases. Um, and also I would I would add... Performance. Uh, performance gets better every release. We make little tweaks here and there to add performance to the system just by simply upgrading on tap. Couldn't agree more. You could. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you want to cover, Octavian, before we let you go? We're excited to re- release on tap 9.6. It's another iteration of the relentless innovation of the team. We're excited to delivering performance, you know, new secure capabilities. And, and a smart, you know, almost autonomous system. So pretty soon, ONTAP is going to be thinking for you. <laughs> and making decision on your behalf. That's right. And that's, I don't know, that's, that's a little frightening in some, in some regards, right? <laughs> ONTAP <laughs> takes over the world. It's, uh, it's to be expected, right? ONTAP will run um, on devices at the edge, will you know, we'll run in the cloud, will obviously run in the traditional data center. We, we have this unique capability of, enabling uh, holistic data management from the edge to the traditional data center to the cloud. Excellent. All right, Octavian, again, thanks so much for joining us. If we want to reach you on Twitter is, what is it again? At OCTAV. All right, thanks so much. I also did a deeper dive with old favorites Skip Shapiro and Jeff Baxter to get a better idea of what the ONTAP 9.6 payload is. It's that time again. It's spring. And it's time for the latest release of ONTAP. That's right. Every spring, every fall, we release an ONTAP like clockwork. Uh, This release is going to be ONTAP 9.6. And to introduce that with me, I brought along Jeff Baxter and Skip Shapiro, virtually, of course, because they're all the way out in California and I'm in RTP. They're on the call now. Skip Shapiro, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? So I'm a technical uh, product marketing manager uh, focused on ONTAP and ONTAP systems. And as we've said in previous uh, webcasts or podcasts, um, you can get to me via email at skip.shapiro at netapp.com because I'm not a Twitter guy. No, we've we've established that. I'm not even going to ask you anymore because I know. Maybe one day. I actually do have a Twitter handle. I what? just don't use it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you fell into the dark so, side. So, uh, and I'm, I'm Jeff Baxter. I'm a senior director of product management, uh, primarily responsible for our NAS and, and analytics products. Um, I am a twit, so you can reach me at, uh, at Bax on tap. Is that what they call a twit? Is that the, no? Okay. Tweeter. Uh, I'm a tweeter, right? So we've got a new release of ONTAP, um, and we're here to talk about it. But before we get into that, we've made a, a pretty major change, I think, to how we're releasing this. So um, long-term support, how are we handling that now? Yeah, so in the past, when we moved from an 18-month cadence down to the six-month cadence, what we basically said was we're going to do every other release is going to have the traditional long-term support you're familiar with, right? So three years of full support, two years of, of limited support, and then some self-service support after that. What we actually have been able to do, starting with 9.6, we've seen such, uh, you know, tremendous sustained quality and even on top of that, you know, industry high quality, even better, right, with each successive release of ONTAP, that we've been able to make the determination that every release of ONTAP can now be long-term support. So... I, we know that uh, a lot of customers have asked for that and, and our own team and our partners. Um, so we're, we're overjoyed to be able to do that. So going forward, even number, odd number, doesn't matter. Every release of ONTAP will have that same long-term support model. Prior releases to 9.6 will still be under that long-term, short-term model, correct? 
So that's correct. So 9.5 is a long-term release. 9.4 is a short-term release. Yeah, we're, we're not going back and retroactively reclassing, um, sort of, uh, but I think going forward, it'll be of an advantage to customers. And one thing we have seen that's been kind of interesting is the, the upgrade rates have continued to increase with each new version of ONTAP. So we know that each of our customers has their own business imperatives about when they're able to upgrade and, and uh, you know, do I upgrade every six months? Do I upgrade every year? And, and we're not out to force that, right? That's why we do have um, longer term support. But with things like, you know, automated non-disruptive upgrade and some of the other features and the continual improvement quality, our goal is to make that upgrade essentially a non, non-event for as many of our customers as possible. And then it's all goodness, right? You get the new capabilities, you get the new features of ONTAP um, without a lot of worry or headache or anything like that. So we recognize and we'll keep some of the versions around, but we'd certainly encourage customers if, if you're sitting back on a 9.1 or especially now like a 9.2 or a 9.4, definitely check out what 9.5 and now 9.6 have to offer and try the, uh, you know, moving through the automated non-disruptive upgrade process where it just steps your entire cluster um, and, you know, does everything for you. And at the end, you know, node by node by node, you've had a complete non-disruptive upgrade to, in this case, ONTAP 9.6. So, you know, that's covered now. So we understand how the support model is going to work from here on out. Let's talk about what's actually in ONTAP 9.6. So my understanding is there's some overarching themes of how we're uh, presenting what's in ONTAP 9.6. And Skip, you've done some webcasts already on this. So what are we doing with ONTAP 9.6? Yeah, so the the goal here is that we enable customers to use ONTAP in more ways than they've been ever, ever able to do that and do it with less effort and protect their data better while they're doing all of this. So there's three major categories of enhancements uh, in 9.6. One is around um, increasing simplicity of using ONTAP, um, and that means uh, increasing customers' productivity. Uh, Second area is enabling customers to use ONTAP in even more ways, and more use cases than they have uh, up until now. And then the third category is increasing uh, the data security and data protection that's built into uh, ONTAP and ONTAP solutions. And basically, you're organizing these into categories because you you want people to understand the value around these features and not just going into the features. Uh, is that right? Yeah, well, I think the, the, that's a good way to think about uh, the enhancements um, in, in the release uh, itself. Um, and actually... Uh, some enhancements uh, touch all three categories, uh, even so, uh, w- which is great. So customers are getting uh, increased value out of their investment in, in ONTAP systems and ONTAP Select, and for that matter, cloud volumes on tap. Okay, so- I, I think the reason we we tend to highlight things along themes and highlights just because uh, you know every release there's more innovation coming out than previous releases, right? Especially over the last you know three or four years, probably ever since ONTAP 9091 sort of thing like that. Each release, we've we've had an even more solid foundation to build on, right? So each release has had more and more innovation. And I think over, um, you know, especially the last three or so releases, we really put in place a bunch of functionality we never had before, right? So fabric pool tiering, um, the return of a new and improved sort of flex cache, right? Um, uh, synchronous snap mirror, all these new features. So we got the basic features in place, right? And now there's just a lot of making it easier to use, right? So simplicity making sure security and data protection, right? It's an always evolving field, right? The threat matrix is always evolving, right? So we've got to continue to evolve and be best in class. And then for all of those new innovations, how can we keep expanding the use cases? In some cases, we introduce them um, in cases where you could start using them for a limited subset of use cases and we expand over multiple releases. In some, it's already a pretty broad field, but now we're just able to add even more as the technology evolves on how you can use it, right? So that's why we kind of think of it in three ways. How do we make it easier to use? So how do we make it simpler, make you more productive? How do we expand the innovations already in the release to more use cases, to more um, just ways of improving your business? And then, of course, um, what we would hope and argue is table stakes for all of us, but we take very seriously is how do we make sure to secure and protect the data no matter what um, on top of it? So, yeah, those are kind of the three categories we use. Yeah, and looking at the features, I mean, what stuck out the most to me was the simplicity. So that's pretty much, I think, the largest hitter of what we're doing here in ONTAP 9.6. So we'll cover that first. Um, and Skip, I don't know if you would agree with that. I mean, that's just my take. I absolutely do agree with that. I think one place it starts, if, if you want me to dive in, is just the look of um, the management GUI uh, that's available in 9.6. So I hope uh, 
uh, those of people listening to the podcast, uh, when they get access to 9.6, uh, take advantage of it. There's a new view within System Manager, which has been renamed to ONTAP uh, System Manager, that provides much clearer information in the dashboard and the other pages you can navigate to uh, for uh, the admin. Um, you can see things like uh, the capacity used and um, available throughout the whole cluster and dive down and get those details down at the node level and volume level. Yep. And that also includes the uh, storage efficiency uh, ratio that you're getting and any data that's um, stored off in the cloud, say through uh, fabric pool aggregate, all on your dashboard, yep. um, you know, single, single view there. Uh, that dashboard also includes uh, performance represented in terms of latency uh, and throughput uh, and utilization uh, with a history up to one year's worth of of, uh, of data, which has never been available um, yeah. in System Manager before. Yep. Um, and then there's uh, visualizations of the hardware and the network topology, which are also new views. So it's it's a really good-looking dashboard, easy to, to consume for IT generalists, um, and provides a lot of information, uh, making it easier to manage your cluster. To me, it's all about how can like you said, for an IT generalist or someone who's just trying to manage the system, just without a whole bunch of clicks, without having to go into other tools, right? We have this incredible portfolio of tools from things like Unified Manager and, and Insight and, and our cloud-based tools um, that we're going to continue to invest in, especially for large environments and heterogeneous environments. But realistically, if you're trying to manage a single system or a single cluster, having that all at your fingertips in one view or one click away from the main view um, is really powerful. And it's something that I'm happy we have now in 9.6. Yeah, and there, with those other tools, there's work simplicity go, work going on there as well, reducing the number of tools through consolidating yep. uh, tools into a single one that's already been happening with um, Unified Manager, which is now uh, called ActiveIQ Unified Manager. Um, and what's behind that renaming is uh, more integration with ActiveIQ in terms of data sharing, uh, but from Unified Manager to ActiveIQ and, and back. So yep. it's not there right out the door, but that's the strategy going forward. And uh, that will make it easier for our customers who have large deployments in multiple clusters and uh, across geographic regions uh, to manage their whole estate more simply. Yep. We also have a new preview, I guess, of the, what it's going to look like in the future. And you can give, get a read-only view of that. And it's like a, at the very top right of System Manager. You can click on that and take a look at that, right? That's right. You can flip between the classic view and, and the new view in this 9.6 release. The new view is only is view only. <clears throat> um, it's expected in the next release it will be uh, what you can use to manage uh, from. Uh, yeah. And in the in the interim, we're taking feedback uh, to, to improve the uh, the new view. Um, <clears throat> but for now, with 9.6, customers will manage the system using the classic view of of uh, system manager that they're accustomed to. I, I think this is this is pretty smart because going back to, you know, when I before I joined NetApp a decade ago, right, I was a NetApp end user. And every time you have a significant change, right, whether the interface is good or bad, right, uh, ugly, great, you get used to it, right? And then um, I remember when we transitioned originally from file review to system manager, right, it's like I have to relearn everything, right, even though things are improvements. And then almost by definition, no one's perfect. So maybe you left a work, workflow out, or maybe there was something that didn't make it in the first release, right? And when you do that hard snap cut, uh, snap cut between versions, especially when you're you know clustered and, and um, scale out and you're trying to make that major transition, I think we kind of took um, a cue from really cloud, right? And how cloud does things. And I know with a lot of different cloud services, when they're switching to a new interface, right? You get a, you know, a tab at the top that says, hey, do you want to preview our new interface? Switch here, okay, I want to switch back to classic mode. And I think we're taking that inspiration because it works really well and doing the exact same thing here. So you can get used to the new view. You can give us feedback and say, hey, this is something I use every day. You still can by switching back to the classic view, but it needs to be there in the next version for me to be able to use this. Yes. As humans, we develop habits, right? right? And those are hard to, to change, right? So you, you need a transition time to be able to learn a new habit, even if it's a better habit than, yeah. than what you used to have. Absolutely. So, so we're looking forward to feedback from all from all of our customers, and especially the people using it, and and for new IT journalists using this, because I I really do love the new view. I think it um, puts everything at a glance in the dashboard. Things are much closer. The real time performance has been something that, as an end user, I wish I'd had for a long time. Not having to go into a, another tool. Yeah, you can go into other tools for more detailed performance analysis, but if I just want to see at a glance how's my environment doing, 
that's awesome. But being able to represent physically my system and actually see, you know, drive problems and everything and sort of a, a viewpoint, um, sort of a physical representation, that's huge, right? But most importantly, not making it a flash cut for me and letting me use the classic view, switch over, get a sense of the new view, and then over the next release or so, you know, retiring the old view and moving to the new one, I think is going to be uh, make our customers' lives easier without also making it a hard cut over that, that changes their world overnight. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to visualize what this is all going to look like on a podcast format. So we'll include some screenshots in the um, in the show notes in the blog just to kind of give you an idea. If only there was something where you could show a screen at the same time as audio. Interesting. It's weird. <laughs> How could you do that? I I'll don't to, know. I'll have to look we into that. that technology. I'll have to look yeah, into it. we should. Yeah. So um, also included in the simplicity stuff, uh, and it kind of goes along with the system manager piece, is REST APIs. So um, being able to yeah. access ONTAP not just by Zappy, but by REST APIs now through through web gets and puts and that sort of thing. So let's go a little more into detail about that. And we'll we'll have a more full-fledged podcast on REST APIs later, but let's just kind of give an idea of what this is going to do for customers. So I think that, you know, our, our goal is for our customers, especially for IT generalists and others, to be able to use System Manager, um, ONTAP System Manager to manage, as well as continuing to have a, a robust CLI to the extent that people want to use that. Um, but it should be based on choice, not based upon I can do this here or this here, right? But the third and most important sort of pillar of that is having everything accessible via these REST APIs. So we've had in the past what are called Zappies, right, ZAPIs, which were specific APIs we built for ONTAP. Um, RESTful APIs have really become the default way to interact with with any product, not just NetApp, but, but just about anything. So providing RESTful APIs lets us be a part of that larger ecosystem and especially when you look at pairing them with things like Ansible, right? So you have Ansible modules. Um, if you haven't looked at what NetApp has done with Ansible modules, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, I, I know, like you said, there'll be other deep dives, and I'm certainly not NetApp's Ansible expert, but, but you just go out and look at the sheer breadth of what you can do, um, and then attaching the, the workflows and cookbooks on top of that to be able to provision out. We, you know, there, there was an example with... Um, you know, ONTAP AI, where we were able to set up an entire stack for ONTAP AI in just a couple of minutes, having all of it automated through Ansible playbooks, calling these RESTful APIs. So it really provides that glue that lets our customers have choice, right? They can use the, the um, ONTAP system manager, they can use the CLI, or they can build into whatever orchestration framework they use to build the rest of their business and using the RESTful APIs is the modern way to do that. Yeah, and you don't have to just do, um, you know, Ansible. I mean, you can do it through Python, you can do it through PowerShell, you can do it through yeah. basic curl commands. I mean, this is a very accessible way of accessing ONTAP, whether it's to retrieve information or whether it's to send information and, and make changes. Yeah, I do all mine through Emacs. No, wait, no, VI? You, you, you wait, could, no. you could probably. Uh, you could, you curl could, support, right? It's right? all about customer choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we just want to provide a modern... Um, RESTful API that then you you get the choice of what tools in your in your um, tool chest that that you want to pull out and use to access those APIs. Yeah, and I've I've written up a blog on kind of a sneak peek on REST APIs, and basically you can access the whole documentation suite if you have ONTAP 9.6 by just accessing your system manager URL and do slash docs slash APIs. So once you get a hold of system uh, ONTAP 9.6, you can start browsing through that. It's pretty easy to to navigate. You can generate uh sample commands to give you an idea of how to how to work and you know you can also create certificates to do pass through without having to use authentication so there's a lot of uh, usefulness in that documentation in ONTAP very cool alright so what other simplicity things have we added Skip uh, so we've made it easier to do cluster setup with uh, auto discovery of nodes on, on the network uh, so you don't need to jump out to use a console cable to go attach a node to create a cluster. So that's that's one thing. We've made flex group volume management simpler. You can change flex group names. You can shrink uh, flex group volumes um, easily. Uh, for um, Fabric Pool, we've uh, enabled uh, the auto um, automatic and active data reporting on SSD aggers. So you can tell, you know, after a month's worth of uh, update has been written to a volume, how much is inactive, and therefore what fabric pool policy you might want to apply uh, for auto tiering. Um, and then uh, we've added uh, QoS support uh, with NVMe over fiber channel 
and um, also to ONTAP Select. Okay. So uh, the fabric pull piece, that's interesting because before you had to kind of go and enable some options to get an idea of how much space savings you would have a fabric pull, but now it's just on by default, right? That's right. Yeah. So before you'd have to uh, manually enable this inactive data reporting on a volume and then wait uh, a month mm-hmm. to see what the data is. Now, when you create a volume on an SSD agger, whether it's an, an AFF system or FAST system, um, the inactive data reporting is on automatically. So a month later, yep. you'll, you'll see what data has gotten cold uh, in the interim. This is one of my favorite features, you know, not the least of which because it's a product in, in my team. Um, you know, so there might be a little favoritism or bias there. But yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, anywhere we can automate something and make something where you don't have to take extra steps or extra clicks to get inside is something we're going to try and do, right? So we introduced inactive data reporting, um, you know, and at the time it was, okay, you can turn this on. And I think especially when we roll out new features, we want to make sure that we don't impact your current running workloads or performance. And as we modeled it, we found that there's basically no performance impact to doing it or, or none that, you know, is... is Within uh, within something to concern about, so we said, okay, let's make it simple. Let's turn it on by default, and and it'll be interesting to see as people adopt 9.6, and then a month later, right, and all of that starts to populate directly into System Manager. I think people are going to get some surprises, right? I'm sure there'll be some volumes where everything's hot, and other volumes where we look at it, and 95% of it hasn't been touched in a month, much less three months or, or longer. And I I do think that'll drive a lot of people to consider, you know, how much could I save if I use Fabric Pool as the system starts to fill up. Especially, I love it because if you're looking at a system that's 70% full or 80% or 90% full and having to consider, what do I do? It'll tell you at a glance, maybe you need to add more capacity or maybe the truth is you have a lot of cold data and and you do need to add capacity, but that capacity should be in the form of adding storage grid on-prem or should be in the form of of setting up an AWS S3 bucket or an Azure blob and putting some of that cold data out there instead of, you know, to be quite honest, maybe instead of coming and buying a shell from us, we don't want you to have to buy an expensive shelf to store cold data, right? So if we can enable you to tear that cold data, you know, to storage grid or, or off to a cloud, then that's the right thing to do for customers. So we're happy to bring that data and, and put it up front without any additional needed intervention. Yeah, one thing else that, that wasn't mentioned here, and I don't, I don't see it mentioned in the slide I'm looking at, but um, Fabric Pool itself has a new policy to tier all data, right? So you're able to do a complete tiering of all the data. I think that's a simplicity enhancement that's been asked for for a while. Yeah, it is an enhancement if customers know they've got cold data uh, and they want it immediately tiered. So uh, they're say they're upgrading to an AFF uh, system from uh, a fast system and they know there's a lot of cold data or it's almost all cold data, um, you can use that policy. Um, that's what it's intended for. Uh, but uh, um, it does come with some cautions. You want to make sure the data is all cold because if it's not, you're going to start accessing it from the cloud tier and uh, may be unhappy with both the performance and uh, how it impacts your uh, your cost, right? Yeah. Pulling that data back from from the cloud. So, but but it is helpful to have that now on on the primary systems and not right. just on uh, data protection systems. Right. Yeah, I think in general with Fabric Pool, you know, the whole idea of Fabric Pool is keeping your hot data on these all SSD aggregates and or AFF systems or all SD aggregates on FAS and having your cold data down sitting on an object here like storage grid or something else. Um, but there were always a bunch of little escape conditions that would do the opposite, right? Because the cost is always comes when you rehydrate, when you have to pull data back from the cloud or when there's some expensive operation. So there were always those sort of corner cases as you first introduced to where that would happen, right? So one of them was I'm moving over a bunch of cold data from a system and all of a sudden, say it's a system where it's sitting on a bunch of SATA drives, it's never accessed, I ingest it into an AFF, I've got to sit there and wait my tiering policy out, even if it's a short tiering policy before it actually tiers. So that was one set where you're like, that's not optimal, so we fix that. Um, the other was when you do a vol move, right? And, and traditionally, the vol move would require rehydrating, and in 9.6, um, we've changed that so you can move around the data on the performance tier without impacting. So it's a lot of sort of you know, when you first release Fabric Pool, it's for these certain use cases. You expand the use cases out, primarily in ONTAP 9.4. And now, you know, a year later, 9.6, we're taking taking care of some of those corner cases where we weren't optimizing for not moving data or for putting data on the right tier with things like the all policy. That's a good point. And I think going back to the all policy, I mean, that's really treated as ingest of cold data yep. and then change the policy after you've done the ingest back to auto. Right. If you're going to write new data... Uh, that data is likely to be hot uh, and it will become cold over, over time. But the, the data that's already been sitting around, 
you know is cold, um, you know, don't wait. You don't have to wait for that to be tiered. Yeah. When you know it, it will be tiered. And a short note, we did retire. There was a policy before called backup that if you have backup, it's going to continue. We just won't let you enable it on new volumes. And backup was essentially doing this, right? It was saying move all the data immediately, but it was restricted just to these data protection volumes. The ask came in from customers and made sense. It's like, you know, yes, data protection volumes are an obvious use case, but there's other use cases like always cold data. So let's just make it all. So um, you'll notice that backup has been retired, but it's not because we don't think backup is a use case for this. It's that backup is one of the use cases within all. Yeah, so we've been talking about simplicity. There's a use case expansion right. that we just uh, we just talked about. Yep. Oh no, we've crept into the other the other categories. <laughs> what do we do? Wait a minute. Oh, no. Do we have any more simplicity oh. stuff? Oh, we have two more things, right? The QoS maximums for NVMe over fiber channel and minimums for ONTAP select. That's pretty explanatory. Is there anything else besides those things before we yeah, move on? Yeah, those are pretty straightforward. I mean, there there are other simplicity enhancements. These are the highlights um, uh, that, that we've been focusing on. So yeah. I All think right. that's just we're just simplifying by anything that's anything that's available with traditional AFF with traditional protocols, right? We want to expand that over time to work with NVMe or Fiber Channel, and we want to expand everything that works on you know on NetApp hardware. We also want to have work on ONTAP Select to the extent possible. QoS minimums with ONTAP Select are a little bit more difficult because you don't control the underlying hardware, obviously. So it took a little more time, but but with 9.6, we're happy to be able to deliver. All right, so now we've got the simplicity and productivity stuff. Um, let's move on to the to the use cases. So we've added some features. Um, how are customers going to be able to leverage these new features more effectively? For one, for our SAN customers, um, and we've supported NVMe over Fiber Channel uh, with SUSE Linux and more recently Red Hat Linux. Uh, but there are a lot of customers who've been looking for support with uh, VMware in, in particular. So with 9.6, we've built the support in uh, for VMware. Um, it's going to be in an upcoming version of VMware, which we hope to see later this year. It's in a hypothetically, if and when VMware releases it, right, we'll be ready. Yeah, we're, we're ready as soon as they're ready. Yep. Right. So, and, they, and they're moving in that direction. Yep. So in addition to VMware ESX value support, uh, we will have uh, support for Windows. Uh, well, on 9.6, has support for Windows 2012 and 2016 and uh, Oracle Linux um, as well. And all three, VMware, Windows, and Oracle Linux come with the storage path failover that uh, asymmetric um, namespace. Uh, namespace access provides. That's one aspect of expanding the use cases. Um, other aspects, so Fabric Pool, uh, you know, we've supported uh, tiering to multiple clouds um, up to this point. So AWS, Microsoft Azure, um, uh, IBM's um, cloud object storage. Uh, with 9.6, we're adding uh, tiering to Google Cloud, Cloud Platform and to Alibaba Cloud. Uh, so customers now have more choices of where to tier uh, their fabric pool data. You know, one of the things that NetApp has really focused on over the last couple of years is this whole concept of cloud-connected Flash, right? And Flash being essential to building a modern SAN, right? So I, I think the two things you talked about are essential to both of those. From the modern SAN perspective, we know that the industry is going to move to NVMe over fiber channel, right, and, and additional NVMe-based protocols over time, right? I think that um, we're being reasonable. A lot of people will go out and say, NVMe, NVMe, and run around and everything like that, right? It, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? And people will, especially with our technologies, being able to non-disruptively move from fiber channel protocol over fiber channel to NVMe over fiber channel has really um, enabled our customers. And we started to see customers making that cut over server by server, new app by new app, right? Um, so adding the additional ecosystem around it so that you can really start to see that wholesale replacement of fiber channel with or fiber channel protocol with the NVMe over fiber channel protocol. We can start to see that lighten the distance, right? As people migrate and we have that full support. And then from the cloud connected side, right? So modern SAN is cloud connected. And that doesn't mean every one of our customers is using cloud or will use cloud tomorrow, right? But over time, over the next couple of years, right, there's going to be some aspect of using the cloud for almost everyone, right? Whether it's moving workloads there or using it to back up or using it to peer. So, you know, just continuing to expand things like fabric pools so that it, it's not for us about you can tier to a cloud, it's tier to the clouds, right? So multiple different, three or four or five different hyperscalers that you can tier to um, and, and go out and really cover regardless of where you are, regardless of which hyperscaler your business may have a business relationship with, um, being able to support that need out of fabric pool is, is big. So that that's, those two combined are really what builds this modern 
cloud-connected SAN on Flash. It's like he's been practicing. Have you been practicing? No, but Skip's got these really big cue cards um, that he's reading <laughs> off of. So um, it's it's I, I've been I've been good at that. You know, well trained. So keeping with the cloud theme, I mean, we're also supporting something with cloud volumes on tap now in on tap nine six, and that's a newish feature. What are we doing with that? Yeah, so uh, you're <clears throat> alluding to FlexCache, which we introduced you know, with ONTAP 9.5, uh, which had two use cases, caching within a cluster, sort of fan-out performance, and caching uh, between clusters uh, to get local uh, performance for, for reads uh, on that remote, remote site. Uh, what we didn't have in the first release is the ability to put your uh, cache volumes in the cloud. Uh, so that's what comes with 9.6. That's one of the use cases. So using cloud volumes on tap as a cache uh, destination. Um, you could also have your origin volume be on cloud volumes on tap and cache to an on-premises um, uh, location, uh, if that makes sense. If your application uh, is generally running in the, in the cloud and you need some instant local instances on-premise, you could do that. And you can even cache between two clouds, right? So maybe... You're running in the cloud in one geography, and uh, you want to cache to another geography in the cloud as well. Um, you could do that with 9.6. So this really helps our customers who've got workloads that are uh, read dominant um, and want to share them across uh, geographies uh, in any in the way that's most convenient uh, for them. Yeah, I, you know, flex caches. I think. Um, I'm probably most excited about FlexCache of anything, right? In terms of the capabilities it'll have to expand the different ways our customers can use it to really make access to data wherever they need, right? So, so I was just mentioning modern SAN. The way I think about modern NAS is really, you know, it's a trifecta. We have um, three sort of products or features that we think about in my team. Ironically, they all start with F. We, we must have been on a trend there, right? But you know, Flex Group, which Justin kind of likes for some reason. Being I've heard of this. Tell me sport. more. And you've heard of it, right? Yeah. So, so Flex Groups, you know, are really the foundation of modern NAS because they give you this large, scalable, balanced container, right? Um, then you bring along Fabric Pool, and that adds the ability to move data wherever it makes sense based on the age and the hotness of that data to, to tier it. And then FlexCache being the, the most recent entrance into that, um, where it gives you the ability to instantiate that data anywhere it needs to be, right? Um, and you can instantiate it as close to a full copy. Maybe you're caching 80, 90% of the data, or you can make it incredibly thin, and maybe it's 10% of the data or 5% of the data, just the hot data, and we automatically manage that for you. So what it, what it eventually gets you to is a vision where, regardless of where you are, um, anywhere across your enterprise, right, there's an instantiation of that data set there waiting for you using up just the amount of space that you need, right? Um, so that, you know, we started to introduce in 9.5 across AFF and FAS and Select, and now with the cloud, it really literally, I, I hate to say the sky's the limit because it's a cliche, right? But the cloud's the limit, right? You can pick multiple different clouds. Any place CBO is going to be um, instantiated there. And maybe the origin of your data is on the cloud, like you said, and you're just trying to cache it so that your, your on-prem sites feel closer to the cloud, right? Or maybe your origin copy is still in one of your data centers on-prem, but you want to operate against it in the cloud. And so you just want to instantiate a copy there to reduce latency that direction, right? or even, as you said, across multiple different clouds, right? So it, it's what I love is providing these tools for our end customers to then be able to make use of wherever their workflow needs, wherever their applications need, to just bring the data closer to them, right? Eliminate latency as a concern, eliminate having to make multiple copies of your data across different clouds and different data centers. Just have your one instantiated protected copy of your data, replicate it for DR or backup if you want to, but everything past that for data access, instantiate these thin, thin caches out there. I mean, that, that's what makes me the most excited about, about FlexCache, and especially now delivering it to cloud volumes on tap. Yeah, I think it's important given how distributed uh, companies are now yeah. for their workforce, that mm -hmm. being able to more easily and more efficiently share the data mm -hmm. across multiple locations and geographies is important. Yeah. And I, I think you'll continue to see us expand on that vision with each release of, of, you know, what I tell customers when I'm briefing customers is, you know, and some of this is years away and, and you know, it, I'm not not obviously going into roadmap or something like that, but we'd love for wherever you go for you to have that same view of your data, right? And the magic behind it may be tiering, it may be caching, it may be all that, but that's really, that's really the secret sauce. And the thing I love about it 
is that it's built into ONTAP, right? There's, there's NAS caching out there. There's always been caching appliances, right? But having to maintain a separate caching layer, um, put boxes out in all the places you might want to cache, do all that. Um, there's certainly some great solutions out there, but the beauty of ours, it's a great solution. It's built into something you already have, right? And if you've got ONTAP in hardware or in um, ONTAP Select sitting on commodity hardware or um, out in the cloud, you've already got FlexCache, right? You've already got the ability to turn on FlexCache and, and use it. And that's what I think is going to make it special and ubiquitous. I think the biggest competitive advantage of FlexCash is that it's built on Flex Groups. I'm just saying. <laughs> you would. I now, would. Uh, that, that, that certainly does help. I mean, you know, under the covers, I won't go into it because I'll probably embarrass myself, right? But under the covers, we used a lot of the technologies we used for redirecting access in Flex Groups. Flex Cash is essentially redirecting access. It's just over distance instead of within a cluster, right? So. I'm oversimplifying the tremendous work our engineering team did to deliver it, but you're right. It's built on, always build on the shoulders of previous innovation if you can, right? 26, 27 years of innovation now. It's a great example of how flex group innovation helped enable the next group of innovation with FlexCache. Yeah, there's... there's those Since con- you build on flex group, that means I can just make you do everything on that as well, right? Well, what I mean... volunteered for? That's, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, heard that. I don't know about do all the work, but I think he should, uh, Justin should talk about flex group enhancements and how we've uh, expanded the use cases for whoa 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 whoa! I'm, who's the host oh. here, Skip? Wow, <laughs> wow! He just forced a segue on you. I like it. I like it. I think we should do it. I think it was in. I wasn't done beating that horse. <laughs> I wanted to beat that horse some more. It was not a bloody pulp enough. Now I have to. I, do well, you know, Justin, you do. You, you can just edit this all out. So if people are hearing this, you've made a conscious choice not to edit it out. Maybe. I think everyone should be aware of that. I, I like for I like the uh, I like for people to see what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, yeah, right. So flex groups. Uh, so starting with flex group, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. How we are now officially we're saying it out loud is that we support it on on cloud volumes on tap. Before we it was kind of like this this little secret where you had to kind of file a PVR and get some qualification, but now we're just going to go ahead and say it. Flex group volumes you can do it on cloud volumes on tap. So that's that's also new. Uh, in ONTAP 9.6, and actually was kind of new in ONTAP 9.5 as well, but wasn't as well publicized. That said, there are some new enhancements for Flex Group as well. Um, doing Flex Group on Metro Cluster, being able to do that across Metro Cluster pairs, um, using it with uh, CA shares for SMB, and mainly the CA share use case is going to be SQL Server as well as Hyper-V. Um, and what's enabling some workloads like that is a new functionality in the back end that you wouldn't really notice as an admin. But for flex group volumes, we're introducing something called elastic sizing, which allows the flex group volume to adjust the sizes based on need. If you know if a file starts to fill up a member volume and it's in danger of running out of space before the file finishes writing, we will borrow space for another member volume in the flex group volume to allow that write to complete. And that'll help enable some of those workloads like SQL Server and Hyper-V with those larger files that could potentially impact a flex group volume's member volumes. Did I do it justice, Skip? Did you have? I think you did a great job. Obviously, Here. you're the expert. I've done yeah. this before. I'll ask the Flex Group TME how you did. Oh, wait. That's yes. you. Check. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We actually already did a podcast on Flex Group Volumes. By the time you hear this podcast, you will have already heard the Flex Group Volume podcast. So that'll be on this uh, week before this one. So, yeah. Oh, right. man. I got to follow time travel on this and the. Oh, no, never mind. I'm not going to talk about that. I don't want to. No, spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. That, that might have been out yet, but yeah. Now, now, now you got me in a weird loop. You're talking about a podcast that they haven't heard, but they will have heard. But I'm just—I don't know whether my past is my present or my future anymore. <laughs> it very much confused me. It's time to get in, it's time no, to get that's the, a different franchise. <laughs> that one didn't do well at the box office. True, true. Hot tub time machine. All right. Um. Yeah. I, anyway. <laughs> um. So, uh, also new for customer use cases, uh, ONTAP Select is a, has a new licensing model. So, Skip, could you kind of dive into that a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. So, we've had uh, two licenses available for ONTAP Select, standard and premium. Uh, premium was the one that supported uh, flash stores, so uh, SSDs, and it also supported uh, more CPUs, virtual CPUs, and memory, which allowed you to get more performance out of premium that you get out of standard. So with 9.6, we're introducing a premium XL license, and that doubles the number of uh, CPUs and doubles the amount of memory relative to premium, adds support for NVMe SSDs, and as you might imagine, uh, delivers you more performance, something on the order of twice 
the performance that you could get from the premium license. So now customers can deploy ONTAP Select for uh, even more um, performance-hungry applications, um, uh, and which is which is great. And expanding uh, the use of uh, ONTAP Select, and that's a great way for customers who aren't familiar with ONTAP uh, to get familiar with what it can do. There's a few other things uh, uh, with ONTAP Select that we've done. So in 9.5, we introduced uh, uh, capacity pools as a subscription-based way to consume uh, ONTAP Select. Uh, so you just you buy a, a capacity-based license and you can use it across as, however many nodes you want in whatever geographic locations you want. Uh, so with 9.6, we're making that kind of the preferred way to consume um, uh, ONTAP Select. Uh, so we've adjusted the, the pricing um, in that regard. And probably going forward, that's may become the only way yeah. uh, to consume Select because it kind of just makes sense. It, it does just make sense. It's like one of those things that I think is obvious in hindsight, right? And I think we had some tooling stuff we had to do and, and adopting our process as we move more and more to uh, a software and cloud, you know, driven company. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense to have to say up front, okay, I'm going to want two 20 terabyte select instances and one 40 terabyte select instance. And one. That doesn't make sense as opposed to just saying, hey, I want 500 terabytes of select and I'll figure it out, you know, how I want to, as I go. And if I want to decommission 10 terabytes worth of select and add that 10 terabytes onto an existing 50 terabyte one, just why, why do you care, NetApp is, is really what it is. I'm going to buy this many terabytes. And so it makes, uh, honestly, I think it makes life easier for us. It makes life easier for our customers and our partners and, and even our own sales team to just make it a much easier frictionless sort of, you know, um, sales process to just say, this is how much select I need. And it makes it definitely more flexible and easier for our customers at, 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 as they go through the lifetime of using select because they can adopt it however they want. So I think that, I think it's all goodness. I agree. I also agree. We all thought it was a bad idea, but we did it anyway. <laughs> I, I guess it's kind of, oh no, okay, yeah. No. Guys, we've committed okay, to this. We still have to do it, but it's a terrible idea. I yeah. know. We've, we've committed to it. This is a horrible idea coming in nine seconds. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of horrible idea, no, okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, ONTAP Select also has a new deploy method, and that kind of fits into simplicity, right? So tell us a little bit about how <clears throat> we're deploying ONTAP Select now. Uh, yeah, so that's um, actually came with a uh, deploy release associated with 9.5, but it's integrated now into vCenter. So VM administrators and uh, you know people who are familiar with that environment don't need to know anything about ONTAP Select, and they can deploy ONTAP Select and start uh, using it. So that's really great. Um, in addition, <clears throat> for our customers who deploy Select in hundreds or even thousands of instances, uh, they often like, they'd like to automate that. And, and we have Ansible modules that enable them to do those de large-scale uh, deployments very easily. So it's the return of REST APIs, right? Not not only REST APIs built into ONTAP itself, but the deployment mechanism that we're using for Select is built on REST APIs. We did that for our own good because that way we don't have to build multiple different things. The the deploy GUI, you know, is simple for people to use and, and that calls the same REST APIs as does this new vCenter plugin, right? So that calls it. And then obviously you can use Ansible or, or any of the other tools to call REST APIs to deploy select if it's in large instances. So it just makes sense again. That's right. So three different ways customers can choose to deploy select depending on which one best fits their environment. All right. Any more uh, use cases we have to cover? <clears throat> I think we've done a pretty good job uh, covering if, the landscape. If I do say so myself, yes, we've done a great job. <laughs> Either that or we've forgotten, in which case we're going to say that we've covered everything anyways, right? We certainly aren't going to say we've done a crappy job. That's for sure. <laughs> Speak for no, yeah, we, we that's believe, true. Yeah, exactly. for others to say. yeah, exactly. Other people can do that, yeah. All right, my, my arm's getting a little tired from patting myself on the back. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> As your manager, I can fix that. Yeah. No, uh, hey! Don't pull a muscle. Hey! <laughs> okay, sorry. All right. Okay. So, um... Security and data protection. That's our final, yeah. uh, the, the, the final ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, whatever. Um, let's get serious. Let's get serious. Yeah. Let's talk about security. Let's get serious. Yeah. So security, what do we have? Uh, Can't so, tell you. So we have a, oh, no, wait. a good package <laughs> I'll have to kill of you. Uh, encryption. 
Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I think it's all confidential, right? We can't tell. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you have the right access? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we have a, a, a good um, collection of data encryption enhancements in 9.6. Uh, so the first one of those is uh, doing encryption over the wire for snap mirror transfers and for the remote flex cache transfers. So now for snap mirror in particular, customers who choose to do data at rest encryption uh, can have the assurance of the data being encrypted over the wire to their destination, uh, you know, say for, for backup or, um, you know, migration, or however they're doing it, uh, and then have data rest encryption on destination as well. So end-to-end -end encryption for their snap mirror uh, transfers. Justin, if this is the place where you insert sound effects, like the applause or the cheering would probably be here, because I, I mean, let, let's just be candid, right? This has been asked for for we weren't causing unacceptable performance, you know, degradation doing all of it. And, and I think there's always been an assumption, and this is true across almost all of our customers, that whatever their WAN connection was, was already encrypted by a point-to-point -point VPN or something. That's just best practice. But definitely what we know over the last couple of years, what's changed is there's an assumption that all connections are compromised, right? That a data, that there, there's no idea of a hardened shell around a data center around connectivity anymore. Someone has most likely compromised your data center, which means they've compromised the point-to-point -point VPN. So we knew that we wanted to and, and execute on an ONTAP 9.6, adding that extra layer, right? So you may still be using a point-to-point -point VPN for general purpose encryption of your WAN, but now you've got that more specific TLS 1.2 encryption just for SnapMare and FlexCache. Yeah, we've all um, learned we have to be as almost as paranoid as the intelligence community is about our data. I don't yeah. know how paranoid they are. I don't know. <laughs> if I did, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah, and I was, yeah. was going to um, say... I was, yeah, I was going to say that Skip kind of undersold that whole over-the-wire encryption because I've been hearing about that for a while as well. I mean, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? But we've finally done it. I, I'm fairly certain, and I wasn't going to say this, but, you know, I started 11 years ago in our public sector group. I think one of the first things I yelled at Skip about as an SC back there was, why don't we have encryption on Snapmere, right? And, and at the time, at the time, honestly, the, the performance penalty for doing that with the systems at the time and the chips at the time would have been prohibitive. And it made a heck of a lot more sense to do it on a specialized appliance, like a VPN appliance, something like that. Now, with some of the Intel AES encryption sets, things that have been developed with the um, much more robust Snapmare engine we built over the last couple of years, right? Um, it was possible, and so certainly it made sense. And so um, that that team prioritized and got it done. So tremendously. So yeah, you're right. It's been a long time coming, and we're tremendously happy to to release it. Yeah, and uh, just to make sure everybody understands, this is supported with both the asynchronous version of uh, SnapMirror as well as the synchronous yeah. application version. And so, I think we mentioned it, but but also with FlexCache, right? So that, yeah. that's having that common cluster peering mechanism um, has some benefits, right? When we're able to add encryption, the TLS 1.2 encryption into that peering mechanism, it gets automatically picked up by SnapMirror async. SnapMirror synchronous and by FlexCache. To piggyback on the SnapMirror synchronous piece, I understand there's some enhancements there as well. So let's go ahead and segue into that. Uh, there are. So we uh, added protocol support, um, NFS version 4, uh, SMB 2 and 3, and mixed NFS version 3 SMB volumes um, can now use uh, SnapMirror synchronous in addition to the fiber channel iSCSI and NFS version 3 support that came with uh, 9.5. Um, so we've... Um, your desk, your sorry, your source volume can uh, take advantage of hard and soft quotas, uh, and we have F policy uh, support uh, with SnapMirror synchronous, and and now we're also supporting uh, synchronous to asynchronous cascades. So you can do synchronous replication from primary to secondary, and then do asynchronous replication uh, from the secondary to tertiary. Yeah. Now, so many customers who've uh, been asking for that, and just. Slight, slight tangent. This is exactly what we were trying to do with, with doing that. We started off talking about LTS and six-month cadence and everything, right? Waiting, instead of waiting 18 months for releases, come out with something like SnapMirror Synchronous and 9.5, where we focused on the workloads by protocol that we thought were the most likely to need that sort of RPO equals zero failover, which are your traditional fiber channel stand workloads. And, you know, we were able to um, opportunistically add iSCSI and NFSB3 on it, right? Um, and then come along just six months later, right, and add in basically all the other protocols, mixed support, NFSv4, all, all these other things, and add in support for more complicated topologies, right, like the synchronous cascading to asynchronous. And so we're able to innovate quicker. We're able to get to market with sort of that core group of functionality for the most common workloads 
and then immediately every six months add on to it. And so this is just a great example of standard asynchronous how the process is kind of working as intended and getting that innovation out to customers faster and in smaller bite-sized chunks and completing the full picture. That's true. Um, let's go back to encryption uh, for a minute. Uh, there's a couple of other um, data encryption enhancements uh, that have been added in 9.6 as well. Um, so uh, one is the ability for each storage virtual machine, and think of those in terms of tenants, to have its own set of uh, KMIP uh, key management servers. Uh, so in a shared cluster deployment, um, each tenant can control their own destiny in terms of the, the keys. And that's particularly important in situations uh, like, uh, let's say there was a, a legal hold on, on one, one tenant's data. It's not going to impact uh, access to uh, the other tenant's uh, data. So I think that's uh, really important, particularly for maybe our customers who are running um, clusters in a, in a public uh, environment, yeah. right? you know, providing a storage as a service. Um, the other encryption enhancement uh, is really, you can think of it in terms of an efficiency enhancement. So we introduced uh, NetApp volume encryption, I think it's back 9.1 or 9.2. It's, it's a while ago. Yeah. So that's software-based encryption at the volume level where each volume has its own key. So that's great from a security standpoint. Uh, but what it does mean is that um, deduplication space savings are limited to deduping blocks within a volume. Yeah. You can't, with AFS systems, take advantage of our aggregate level dedupe. So what we've introduced in 9.6 is aggregate level uh, software encryption. So all the volumes within the same aggregate share the, the same keys, uh, and therefore they can also do deduplication across volumes within that aggregate. So it's a way to take advantage of software encryption and get full uh, data um, reduction and storage efficiency capabilities uh, to boot. And and to be clear, that's an option, right? So if, you, if it's still important to you, that each volume be keyed separately, right? If you're more security conscious or if your volumes actually are for different users, different classifications of issues, and you want to be able to rekey one volume without rekeying the others, we still mind that capability. What I like about this is we're acknowledging that there's no there's no way around this. There's no free lunch problem, right? There's all sorts of interesting talk about symmetric encryption and all these other things, but fundamentally you're either keyed the same or you're not. And the you get to make the choice now. If storage efficiency is most important to you, like you said, we introduced NetApp volume encryption, then we introduced this cross-volume dedupe, and you had a choice between either, right? You could do one, but you couldn't do the other. Now we give you a third option, which is you can still keep all your stuff encrypted, but you have to go to the aggregate level of encryption if you want to get cross-volume dedupe. It just makes sense. So our customers get to kind of choose where that balance point is. Yeah, and while we like to keep things simple, um, you know, meeting different customer needs is important as well. Yeah. And just to kind of um, put a bow on this, I mean, if you want to use existing volumes that have been encrypted in aggregate level encryption, uh, you have to actually vol move into the new aggregates that are encrypted. You can't convert them in place. Uh, that's correct. So one more security and data protection uh, enhancement I'd like to highlight. Um, actually, it's two. They both have to do with Metro Cluster. So for the first time, we're supporting a Metro Cluster in the form of Metro Cluster over IP on our entry-level AFS and uh, FAS platforms. So customers who want to take advantage of business continuity and have smaller budgets for a particular deployment can take advantage of that. Uh, the AFS A220 and the FAS2750 are supportive with Metro Cluster over IP. Um, sort of in concert with uh, the customers wanting to be able to take advantage of Metro Cluster, uh, but spend less money doing it, we're supporting uh, shared uh, intersite networking as well. So customers no longer with MetroCluster over IP have to dedicate a network to do the intersite transfers if they've got um, uh, bandwidth available uh, on their existing networking uh, that they can they can take advantage of that for connecting their MetroCluster endpoints. This makes MetroCluster consumable by more customers. Right. And yeah. expanding use. Yeah, not just not just Metro Cluster in general, but the Metro Cluster over IP, which already makes it more accessible because you're able to use existing networks. Now you can use less expensive platforms, you know, entry level to use Metro Cluster. Yeah, Metro Cluster for all. All right, so what else we got, Skip? Anything? All right. We're good. We got everything. All we got it all. I think 
No, I think we hit all the high points. Um, was that not enough for you, Justin? Were you not entertained? Have I mean, we not all... entertained you? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I mean, I, you know, I mean... could we have done more in the last six months? I mean, sure, but that that seems like a lot. I mean, it could have been better. All right. That sounds like a lot of That actually, to be fair, that's a lot of stuff. So we've covered quite a bit. We've got a lot of good uh, goodness in ONTAP 9.6. And, you know, no longer are we referring to these as short-term releases. They are now releases. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, Skip, Jeff, uh, unless you have anything else to add, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, I just want to thank everybody for listening to your podcast. I think it's a great way to learn more about what's in ONTAP and actually what NetApp as a whole has to offer, right? Yeah, I, I think I'd just, I'd just echo that and say, you know, I mean, clearly by this point, if you're still listening to this podcast, I want to thank you for your dedication because it clearly means you're um, a, a tremendous part of the NetApp community between our, our customers and partners and, and uh, overall field. So um, thank you, Justin, for, for always doing this and putting this together. And thank you to everyone for listening. Yeah, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to cut this down to 10 minutes. So we're fine. We're good. <laughs> that's, fine. that's that's about just just speed us up by what like a factor of six and we'll just all sound like chipmunks but it'll be really great and everyone will learn about that nine to six little poster <laughs> micro sheets micro sheets no no yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right all right skip jeff thanks so much for joining us and uh talking to us about on tap nine to six all right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at NetUp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Octavian Tanase, Jeff Baxter, and Skip Shapiro for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.